So go anywhere where there's a bad buying experience and transform it. Go anywhere where convenience is critical and transform it. Um, go anywhere there's like a monopoly or a duopoly and transform it. From Vermont Center for Emerging Technologies, it's Start Here, a podcast sharing the stories of active, aspiring, and accidental entrepreneurs. As a leader for global brands like Guinness, Burt's Bees, and 7th Generation, John Replogle is an immensely likable rock star who joins us today to share lessons learned on building values-based product companies that matter. Welcome, this is Sam Roach-Gerber and Dave Bradbury, recording from the Fairpoint Technology Hub in downtown Burlington, Vermont. How's it going, John? Great. Great to be with you both. Thanks for coming by, John. It's a, it's a thrill to have you here. Well, wonderful. We know it's, it's an uphill walk, so we, we appreciate that. It was a beautiful climb today. <laughs> uh, no one has day. arrived here out of breath yet, which... It's amazing. Yeah, Breathless at the end. Breathless at the end. <laughs> yeah. Maybe there's yeah. a segue in our future, so... Totally. So, John, this month marks your last with Seven Generation um, since that you've led since 2011, I believe, um, through the sale of Unilever in 2016. Um, I mean, obviously, that's that's a huge change. What do you think you're going to miss most? Very big change. In fact, it's a year ago today that we uh, we sold the company wow. to Unilever. We announced the sale. We so planned that, right? Pretty crazy. Here we are. Uh, we're that good with yeah. our research. Well, well done. Yeah. <laughs> Bingo. I'll give you full credit. Um, what am I going to miss? Uh, uh, we were talking a little bit earlier. Profound sense of place. Burlington, Vermont is just an extraordinary place. Uh, and I will miss it dearly and deeply. I'm a New Englander at heart. And uh, I love coming here. And right up there with places, people. Uh, we've just got a purpose-driven, passionate, amazing team and culture. That seventh generation, some of the greatest people I've ever had the pleasure to work with in my career. Going to miss that profoundly. And the brand. You know, the brand is right. you, you fall in love. And it's a love brand. I'm in love with seventh generation. And, you know, I the good news is I'm going to remain part of the company. I remain as the chair of the social mission board. And so I'll stay connected. Um, but there's a little difference in terms of that daily ownership and connection and drive. So, totally. What are you most proud of from from 2011 to today with the company? Yeah, I, I think it's a couple of things. One is, I joined the company at a little bit of a turbulent time. You know, we went through a change of leadership, um, and in such great DNA and history in the company. But we were a little bit lost when I joined, and I feel like we gave the company. Uh, its pride back, its history back, um, and as well as its future, you know, clarity of direction. We really got well well aligned, well focused. We got back to core. We got back to purpose. Uh, and today we have, you know, I, and I'm always most proud of people, right? right? You know, I mean, we just got such great people working with such clarity of purpose. Um, and one of those manifestations, I think, just occurred last week um, in California. We've been working in California and across the nation for the last five years, well, much longer than that, but I personally have been involved for five years, trying to change legislation on ingredient disclosure. Um, your food has ingredients, your personal care products have ingredients, but you're not required to put ingredients on the label of home care products. That's absurd. Isn't it amazing? It's Some like of the most toxic products in your home, right? And, uh, and you don't have a right to know as a consumer. So we've been working this from all angles. 
Uh, last year, we finally got Target to agree to make that a requirement. That was a big day for us. Um, last year, it was actually January of this year. <laughs> um, and now California has come forth with legislation which we sponsored. We built a coalition around uh, and California is going to require And it. when the fifth or sixth largest economy in the world, that is California, moves, people notice, right? But the same with solar, uh, 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 different uh, other food products sort yeah. of uh, trends. So Exactly right. Thanks, and, and you know tipping points, right? So California moved. We're working with New York. New York's been waiting. Now that California moved, New York's like, we'll follow. Now when you awesome. have the two biggest economies go... We are going to see a change for the good of the consumer, and I'm so excited. Great. So. It's, and, you know, Vermont, we get a little paranoid when companies sell to the yep. big, bad, unknown. Mm-hmm. And I know there was commitments to the social mission, but to Vermont, is that, is that sort of a given as well in the, in the Unilever world, yeah. you think? Yeah, I wouldn't call Unilever big, bad, or unknown. Yeah. You know, um, obviously they've been here in Vermont for a dozen years with Ben and Jerry's. Uh, the first couple of years of that relationship were rough and rocky. Uh, I think Yostein Solheim, who's the CEO, has done a brilliant job leading that organization uh, and has had a great impact within Unilever, so much so that they are really a purpose-driven corporation now. And uh, amazing. They're competing with uh, Danone, I think, for that, you know the, the right. top spot for who would have thunk... Yeah. Is leading the, the world, right? So cool. They are competing to be the first multinational benefit corporations. They're trying to live it in practice. In fact, I'm spending the better part of the afternoon today with the Unilever you know, um, sustainable living plan team uh, to help them shape the way forward beyond 2020. It's really, frankly, it's exactly what we were set up to do. Uh, we talk about transforming commerce as a company. And we're going to have a great impact on a company with 177,000 employees, global reach. Uh, and so we're, we're changing them from within, and that feels great. And they're going to give us a platform to reach not just millions but billions of consumers over time. So I would say that Unilever is the ideal partner for seventh generation. We're coming up on 30 years in 19. Uh, wow. We started in 1988, so next year is our 30th anniversary. It's about time we, we, we grow up, move out of the house, and go global. Yeah. <laughs> well, you're not selling out. You're selling up, yeah. right, up yeah. into uh, that, that global framework. And um, I think it's really exciting, quite frankly. Yeah, and I think, I mean, it's, it's just great to kind of know that you have that security and know that, they've, you know, this is something they've done before. I think Ben & Jerry's is an awesome example and, and you know, that they've stayed in Vermont and, and been really good to us. Um, so I think what Dave and I are both dying to know is what's next for you? Yeah. Well, I, I'm first and foremost excited to – I live in Raleigh, North Carolina, and I've been commuting for six and a half years, and nothing matters more to me than my family. And I've got to put the focus on family first. Um, so I'm really excited about having more time with my wife and my kids. I've got a ninth and 11th grader, so – I've got a finite period. They're on their yeah. way. Present, right, right. So. Mine are seventh and ninth grade boys. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, it's a great age to be around. It's an awesome We're relevant. Age. Yeah. Uh, as a dad, you're relevant. Right. This is the sweet spot. Yeah. <laughs> Some days better than others, <laughs> yes. <laughs> but, yeah, I'm, I'm excited about that. And I'm also um, starting a new business. So, you know, I, I've always been an entrepreneur at heart, and it's time that we start something new. So I'm, I'm working with a few partners Uh, to create a company called One Better Ventures. And the whole idea of this is to share our wisdom, our experience, and to consult and advise um, with mission-driven, 
high-growth consumer goods companies. Uh, and, you know, we started this as an idea, something we felt we had passion for. And what's become immediately apparent is how much demand there is. I haven't even put down the reins yet at 7th right. Gen, and we're, we're oversold uh, at One Better Ventures already. Fantastic. I would say you're qualified for that. <laughs> <laughs> well, that was my question. Yeah. Is I wanted to make sure uh, you thought of yourself as an entrepreneur, yeah. right? Because you, you've got some... You've, you seem to have come into some of these companies, certainly Guinness or Burt's Bees or, yeah. or Seventh, at a, at a scaling moment. But do you, do, you, do you sort of act and behave like a small company guy? I, absolutely. Even when I was at Unilever and running a very big division, uh, the whole idea was to think like an owner and drive an entrepreneurial mindset. I, I didn't call myself an entrepreneur at that time. I called myself an intrapreneur. Um, so I was an entrepreneur. It wasn't inside. too long ago you really couldn't use the word entrepreneur in a corporate setting. You were sort of this outlier, right? Yeah, <laughs> you know, but I, I guess I've always been attracted to Mavericks. Yeah. What was your first uh, business uh, growing up? I, um, paper route? I had a paper route, yeah. uh, carried the Globe and the Herald, so I had two papers. Nice. I actually had 36 Cats and papers. dogs living together in the same bag. Yeah, there you go. yeah it was amazing. It was it sure amazing. Was. And Sunday was tough, you know, especially big bag. Those are and, heavy. And the winter, and we had a big neighborhood, so it was it, it was a lot of ground to cover. But I love that. Uh, I then uh, started a lawn business um, and a painting business. Uh, so with a guy named Bill Riley. Uh, so we had R and R. Started as landscape, became services, and we painted homes and cut lawns, and we hired other kids. Um, and then I went to school down the road at Dartmouth, and uh, uh, I had some businesses there as well. So. I've, I've got the itch. On, you're I've you're, been you're in a glutton, forever. right? Yeah, um, exactly. Well, I think that's important to know, right? It's uh, so often uh, these serial or habitual entrepreneurs um, are a little bit hidden. Their visibility up in, at least in Vermont, is it's not quite as high as at least we'd like to see because uh, uh, it is inspiring, right? You're able to reach out and say, okay, I'm thinking of this. Help me, yeah. <laughs> right? I yeah. mean, actually, you've helped one of our companies in the past. We reached out just to try to get some wisdom. They ignored it entirely, and, and they're no longer here. But say <laughs> um, la vie, right? That's it. It, it, it happens. Um, you had mentioned uh, that you had worked in, in North Carolina in a co-working space. We've got three here, and there's probably another three or four here in our area. Um, what attracted you to that sort of environment? And particularly, I think you had a team there as well who was doing some, some sort of product discovery and, and the like. That's right, yeah. And I do believe co-working is really the design of the future. That's how people will collaborate. Um, it's This space in VSET is extraordinary. Uh, I work in one similar called HQ Raleigh. And uh, HQ now has offices across North Carolina. Um, and we moved in there to create seventh-generation ventures so it had been my dream to have a venture arm for seventh generation to take all the capabilities we had and to acquire or grow new brands that were mission-driven that could leverage those capabilities. So we set that up in Raleigh with a small team in HQ so we could be uh, in a very uh, you know, agile, nimble, energetic uh, environment uh, right downtown, and uh, it proved to be a wonderful place to be. So. Yeah, I mean, that, that whole sort of, uh, I mean, with the advent of crowdfunding and Kickstarter and Indiegogo, uh, th- there was no barrier to throwing out a product idea. Right. 
and, and to test it and to see if the market would buy it. And if they were going to buy it, you built it. And what, a, what an awesome time to try stuff. It is, and yet we, we have a real issue out there. Steve Case talks about this, about rise of the rest, is over 90% of the capital, the venture capital, is in three states, right? And so it's in uh, primarily California, New York, Massachusetts. And then the other 47 states compete for the remaining 10%. And so part of what we're trying to do in Raleigh and the Research Triangle is create enough of a kind of a critical mass, if you will, to attract capital as well. Right. And, and that is growing, and that's good news. And I think it's ultimately the fuel. You know, the ideas uh, are, are the catalyst, but we need that fuel to, to, to build further, and, and it comes down to capital. So. Yeah, I, I think, you know, we went through that evolution here in Vermont, and and our model evolved to, to be people, our networks, our 10 colleges, yeah. our corporate ties, the folks that visit uh, places that you can get density. I don't right. care if you call it right. a makerspace, yep. a co-work space, an accelerator, even a coffee shop. Get people together that will uh, share ideas and expound upon them. And then capital. You know, setting up the small seed fund uh, in 2010, we made our first investment in a Dartmouth company that was located in White River Junction. And... Gosh, I mean, I think we've put $4 million out so far, right. and those companies now have raised over $120 million in, mm-hmm. in, in cumulative fashion, both in Vermont and for their, you know, their expanding offices. And it's time to scale that. It seems to work. Right. A lot of partners. And uh, once you get, again, that tipping point. Now, I'm trying to, to do that down the road at Dartmouth, too. I'm, I'm on the board down there and uh, been an active part of uh, something called Green D Ventures. Oh, yeah. Oh, you're um, all there. Okay, great. Er, yep. Yeah, early investor in and advisor to Green D and just trying to create that critical mass in the, you know, the upper valley, right. um, which frankly needs it, but there's so much great talent. Um, oh, God, I lived in Queechy for years and years. And uh, is it John Collins? Is that who's still yeah, in Green Mike, D? Mike, Mike Collins. Mike Collins, yep. okay. Um, well, good. I'm glad you're doing that. I'm glad you're going to spend time up here still. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. Al Gore. <laughs> he made investment in 7th Gen through his company a bit. Um, just between us, any dirt on Al Gore? He's a vegan. Um, vegan. But, but he That's doesn't. probably why he Florida d- didn't go his way. He, he, you know, he, <laughs> right? Um, That's beef country still down there. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, so Al's, okay. you know, there, there's a scoop. That's not dirt. But, uh, okay. but, but it's, you know, you get to know a person pretty well when you break bread with them. And... Uh, you know, they, that, I would, didn't see that one coming. Didn't yeah, see that I one like, coming. But that's like walking that. the walk, though, right? Yeah, it's you, out of principle. Uh, it's good to know if I'm ever in a position where I'm making him a sandwich or something, you know, now I know. Yep. He's more of a baked tofu kind of a guy. He is, yeah. Perfect. If he comes visiting. He's a super person. Uh, did very well in his investment in seventh generation, but was an incredible supporter. Yeah. Um, obviously came up here and did a presentation on the UVM campus. He's been an incredible resource to our team uh and he's been very accessible for me and has actually invited me to different conferences in california and in london and elsewhere to allow us to really intersect with some of the leading thinkers in sustainable business so he's uh he's used his position really Really generously more than just a rolodex oh yeah awesome Um, so, John, we I came across that awesome article that just came out. It was an interview with you. Um, and I'm just going to totally steal the quote of 
of what you said to them and just have you talk a little bit more about it. Um, you said in a post-competitive world where there are new roles to the game since hard business school 25 years ago, we're not trying to maximize value. We're trying to maximize values. We're not trying to play zero sum. We're trying to play win-win. We're not structured to compete. We're structured to collaborate. We just loved that. Um, and our question was, how can startups and scaling firms position to participate and contribute? Yeah, I, I think um, so many uh, of them today start with that fresh mindset. Awesome. It, it, I, I had dinner last night with uh, Matt Slaughter, who's the dean of the Tuck School of Business, and, and was talking a bit about that and how it literally took me you know, two decades to unlearn what I learned at the Harvard Business School. Um, and with all due respect to Harvard, it was a different time and age. But in the 80s, they were teaching me the principles of the 50s, uh, not, Five of the, forces. not of the yeah. new millennium. And, and even Michael yeah. Porter now has a very different, different. philosophy. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and in fact, Porter, uh, you know, I, I find him a great inspiration still. Um, and so I think businesses today, you know, there is a mindset. I, I think the younger generation, uh, you can say what you will about millennials. I, I think, you know, they're often maligned. I think it's entirely a false narrative. I think there's a consciousness about, um, uh, about millennial leaders. I think uh, they're looking uh, for different things. Collaboration matters. Connection, community matters. And if we're really going to do something great with business, those are the principles we need to hold dear. Uh, it's not about how much money you drive to the bottom line or make, make for your shareholders. It's what you do with the power you have and how you uh, make good for your stakeholders. And, and I think uh, entrepreneurs are getting it. And I, I'd encourage everyone, uh, anyone starting a business, start with the B Corp uh, impact assessment. There is now one for new companies, a pre-certification. Cool. It is a great tool. In fact, we used it uh, at One Better Ventures to help guide us as we set up the principles of our company. Uh, I think there's a lot of help out there if you're trying to find your way. And, uh, and if you have a question, just call me. <laughs> awesome. There's, I mean, there's no really reason not to at this point. I mean, as a millennial, I'm, I was lucky enough to grow up with seven generation under my cabinet as the normal kind of go-to product and never thought it was out of the ordinary. So I think that's, you know, that's a huge part of what makes millennial entrepreneurs, you know, a really a force to be reckoned with. Yeah, I, I think, you know, we've yet to see the total impact of this next generation, but it's, you know, it's flowers are blooming. It's it, coming. It is. Can you give uh, one or two examples of sort of industry partnering or collaborations that you couldn't have imagined would have occurred five years ago all around this sort of, hey, we're on this shared planet. We've got one of it. Yeah, I'll give you two quick ones. One is... Um, uh, a, a great joke that uh, gentleman Eric Ryan and I have together. Eric was the founder of Method, or the co-founder yeah. of Method. He has become one of my closest friends, and we call each other frenemies. Frenemies, um, right. Because, you know, we compete, and yet we understand that collaboration is more powerful than competition. Together, you know, Method and Seventh Generation have less than three share of the market. So we always said, well, when we get to 97%, we can begin to compete. But, you know, <laughs> we can dissolve. Yeah, um, right. And so, you know, it's just, it's been great. We've, we've sparked each other and uh, their culture and business is much like ours. And we do some things that inspire them and vice versa. And then another one is this effort and energy we put into passing this legislation in California. We had over 30 companies we were working with, including Method, The Honest Company, Earth-Friendly Products, 
all of our leading competitors right. uh, we collaborated with, and then a whole handful of other companies kind of beyond household cleaning. It starts, it's, it's like this conscious company cartel. Yeah. You know, well you know you've arrived when they refer to you as a cartel, right? <laughs> That'll be the tipping point. So, okay, we have market power, right? Yeah. So I'd like to ask you, um, next to auto buying, selecting a mattress is one of the more miserable <laughs> experiences in life. And I was thrilled to see of your uh, participation and now chair role with the, the B2C uh, direct mattress company, Lisa. Could you just talk about that company? What attracted you to it? Great. Lisa Sleep is a wonderful uh, high-growth business. This is exactly the kind of company that uh, 7th Generation, I'm sorry, One Better Ventures is looking to work with. Slip of the tongue. Oh, and it, you're going to be slipping for oh, weeks here. For, it takes a while to sort maybe of years. turn it off, doesn't it? <laughs> um, I, I uh, sat uh, on the board of Sealy years ago, uh, so I know a bit bit about the mattress industry. It's a huge industry, $15 billion a year. People typically purchase mattresses about every eight years, so there's a long purchase cycle. And it's one of the worst things to buy, right? You, people do not like shopping for mattresses. And so you've got new consumer behavior, right? People like, we've got digital you know, natives who like to go and search online and buy online. Uh, so why not a mattress? Well, it's the perfect setup. These are wonderful mattresses, highly engineered, deliver great sleep, uh, and it's guaranteed for 100 days where your money back. It comes in an incredible vacuum-sealed pouch in a box, so it comes right to your home. You put it in place, you open the pouch, and, and it inflates, and voila, there you are. We, uh, we bought uh, Casper for my son uh, probably six months ago, um, mostly because we thought that was a little bit greener. Hmm. So then, then, then well, yours are the other ones we well, looked at. Well, Lisa is a B Corp. Yeah. Yep. Um, and for every 10 mattresses we sell, we give one uh, to homelessness or bedlessness. And one of our goals is to eradicate bedlessness. Um, for example, in Raleigh alone, 5,000 kids go to bed every night without a bed. Without a bed, wow. And we can change that. Those are numbers that are manageable. If we capture a decent share of the U.S. mattress market, uh, we can actually give away enough mattresses to make a material difference. For uh, I think it's outstanding. I mean, just from a, a buying experience, opening it up, it, it, it reminded me of when I bought a Mini Cooper years ago. It was joyful. Mm. And the same thing with this sort of mattress yeah. uh, experience. So, um, And where else do you see this this direct-to-consumer for furnishings? Obviously, you see a lot of Joybirds and uh, different uh, Warby Parkers of the world. I mean, What's left out there? We have we must have thousands of entrepreneurs listening to this podcast. So, assuming you're all full up, yeah, you know, where 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 do you see some opportunity that a couple of uh, hungry folks might look at? There are tons of spaces, uh, and they tend not to be sexy. And yeah. so, go to the most mundane, dry, boring space, and chances are you're going to find something so great. So true. And then, and then follow the consumer. So go anywhere where there's a bad buying experience and transform it. Go anywhere where convenience is critical and transform it. Um, go anywhere there's like a monopoly or a duopoly, a duopoly and transform it. You know, think about mattresses. You've got really two big companies uh, and they're asleep at the switch. Um, so go to places where innovation can make a difference. And your form of delivery and your consumer experience, those are places to do it. And I'll give you a good example of that. 
another company that One Better Ventures is working with is called Filter Easy. And they replace your home air filter uh, every three months. So it ships directly to your home on a quarterly basis. You're supposed to replace your air filters every, every quarter. Yeah. And, and everybody has that in their calendar <laughs> to remind themselves. Yeah, right. right. Yeah. I mean, we forget. It, it's key to indoor air quality. It's key to uh, maintenance of your system. It's key to fuel efficiency. Hmm. Um, really important not to get clogged filters as well. Mm-hmm. So there's economic, environmental, and health benefits to doing that regularly, but it's a pain in the butt, right? And most people have different size filters. They can't remember. So you put it on a subscription. You don't forget. It shows up at your house. It's cost competitive. Throw the dirty easy. one in the box, return it probably. That's it. Yeah. Well, you know, the great Unless news with what Filter Easy has come up with is they're, they've developed and just about to launch um, – a filter system that uh, has a permanent frame, and all you do is replace the membrane. Perfect. So much more yes. sustainable, much easier to ship, you know, much better for everyone. And, you know, this is real innovation into an old industry uh, that's dominated by two big players who, frankly, just got lazy. Yeah. yeah. It's really, it's an exciting time to be a consumer. You know, it's like all these things are changing around us, and... Yeah, I'll I'll never buy a mattress in a store, or, you know. Well, you just bought a house last Friday, so you. I you, did. Seriously, I'd be <laughs> I have a lot of choices to make here. <laughs> I, I can help you with a mattress. This is this is frankly the golden age of entrepreneurship, though. Yeah. I think if you really think about it, uh, it, it the landscape is wide open and changing, uh, and I think we're going to see a lot of the uh, old category norms, competitive norms, torn down over the next two decades, um, and we're going to see a lot of great benefit for consumer, for environment, and a lot of uh, value creation as well. Uh, It's awesome. I mean, I think, you know, we have almost 300 startup teams a year come through our doors, and uh, it's stunning where they're at. They're in space, they're in medical labs, they're in direct-to-consumer businesses, and and we usually tell them, listen, it's either got to be free and fabulous, address some friction in the system, Mm -hmm. or frustration. Yeah. I mean, look for those things. And, and, yes, and, and, I like yeah, that. The, yeah, I, I'm like, I have to have alliteration or, yeah. you know, the other startup advice is you need a, a hustler, a hacker, and a hipster, right? You, you can't be all three, yeah. you know, Mr. Rockstar sol- uh, or Mrs. Rockstar, uh, solo entrepreneur, but those are some conditions that seem to maybe get you off the starting line uh, today. Can we talk about the F word real quick? Sure. And we, we use the real <laughs> F-bomb a lot here too, but Failure. <laughs> Give us a failure. How, how long do we have? Uh, not that <laughs> long. Not that yeah, long. Yeah, that, yeah, that resulted yeah. in some sort of, you know. Lots of the well, learning change. opportunity, you know, perhaps. Um, you know, there, there, have been, there have been different moments in my life where, where failure has been the best learning experience I've had. You know, when I came into seventh generation, uh, I, I felt the need to really get the company moving from an innovation standpoint. So I, I loaded it, pushed it hard. Most of the products we launched failed. Um, but I had to get the energy going. Uh, now I look back and I know why we failed. We've learned from it. We're better for it. Um, I, I had a pathway despite what might have seemed like great success when I was president of Guinness, living in Connecticut, wife and two kids. The whole thing was going great. Uh, and yet I came to realize that what I was doing for a living didn't fit with my personal mission and values. And I had what they call a spear in the chest moment. Uh, my friend Ray Anderson, my mentor, taught me that. And 
it was an epiphany where I went in shortly thereafter and said to my wife, I need to change my life. And uh, with that, I quit my job and moved on to Unilever to do something more purpose-driven, and that led to the Dove campaign for Royal Beauty. Cool. Wow. Really cool. Um, John, we did want to ask you, you have some experience taking over for founders as CEO. Can you talk a little bit about kind of what that might be like and, you know, maybe for some of our younger companies, you know, when should a founder kind of look for maybe an outside CEO? I thought that was the F word we were going to cover a moment <laughs> ago. Um, so this is a really difficult transition to get right. Um, and uh, often founders stay beyond <clears throat> where they should as uh, and they... They really ought to think about succession planning sooner because it's not just about replacing yourself. It's about a huge organizational shift. It impacts everyone. And so really thinking about that founder transition is, is key. Um, the, if you are coming in behind a founder, um, I think it's incredibly important to respect the past as you build the future. You have to really get into the history what, why does the company exist? What makes it great? How did it get where it is? What is the core DNA? How do you unpack that? Why do people want to work there? Exactly. And yeah. then stretch that to the future. Create an inspiring and profound vision that holds these truths about the historic past as the foundation, but build upon it, right? Go, move, shift. Uh, that's so incredibly important. So it's 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 keeping these two tensions uh, is, I think, what uh, makes a successful founder-CEO transition. Yeah. I, I had a lessons learned panel with founders years ago at UVM, and I asked uh, one of the, the doctor founders, I'm like, when did you know it was time? And without missing a beat, he's like, when I wanted to lie. Mm. He goes, that mm. was my in- litmus test. I didn't want to reflect accurately what was going on with my board. He goes, at that point, I knew I needed to step aside. And it's, it was one of those profound little statements that has stuck with me now probably nine or ten years. That's great self-insight. Yeah, it was. It was and he said in a room full of 600 people, so <laughs> good for him. Um, any other companies in Vermont that, that you sort of go, boy, they're, they're just about to hit the big time? Uh, I think there are a number of uh, companies that are really – Make, doing remarkable work. Um, I mean, King Arthur Flower is a, an amazing 200-year overnight success. Um, <laughs> and, and think about it. We, we all take it for granted, but most yeah. consumers still don't know King Arthur, and I think they're on to something big. Totally. Right? I, I'm a big believer in them. Um, you know, I think there are some amazing companies here uh, from a, uh, an innovation standpoint. Uh, we work closely with uh, Twincraft right here in oh, terms sure. of yep. co-production. Some of the R&D and technology that they're creating is superb. Uh, I, I'm a big fan of uh, any anyone who's out there to create some material good uh, yeah. in the world. And, you know, we've we've partnered with uh, Mamava, the, the yep, breastfeeding. Love Mamava, yeah. The, they're, they're on the roll. You know, it's, it's um, I, I could go on. There's so many good... Uh, brands and businesses. Are, are those formed. connections between sort of young companies and the more established ones uh, as common elsewhere than it is in Burlington? I mean, we're, we're so tiny. I always tell folks, you can't afford to be a jerk because we're going to have to push one another out of a snowbank at some point. 
you know, that there's basic decency. I think this is a unique place. I really do. Uh, I think there's something about the intimacy of the community um, where people do uh, help out, uh, lean in, collaborate, and share more more than bigger places. Um, and so I think there is something special about being, you know, here in business in Vermont. Great. And then uh, before Sam wraps it up, uh, I know one of your other companies that was announced today is TV12. Could you just uh, put a plug in for that? Sure. Today's a big day. Uh, Tom Brady has launched his new book called The TV12 Method. Uh, so if you haven't bought a copy, run out and get it. Um, and it is fundamentally Tom shares why he is one of the most durable athletes uh, in any professional sport in history. It's all about sustained peak performance and a total system of uh, strength and conditioning and pliability, a really important notion of kind of long, lean muscle, um, and doing that through stretch and, and massage and, and then you know deep tissue manipulation, but also about diet, uh, healthy diet, uh, eating a 70% or better plant-based diet, hydration, drinking half your body weight in water per day, uh, and using electrolytes, and then uh, great sleep being a foundation. And uh, those are the pillars of the TB12 method, and uh, people will learn a lot about it. Yeah, and we we did the we tried out the meals. Uh, my wife and I did this spring, and, and I really liked it. I just wasn't working out enough to uh, expend all the extra... Uh, <laughs> Uh, calories I was uh, consuming. Uh, and I will attest, I had a morning surf session on the same beach in uh, Santa Teresa, Costa Rica with uh, Tom and Giselle, which was one of the highlights of my life to be that close to my uh, my quarterback idol. Mm-hmm. Um, he nearly ran over my wife, which I'm pretty sure she was taking a dive. She just wanted Tom to you know, <laughs> hit her. Which, and, and they're ripping surfers. So, Well, uh, he's as great a guy as he is a quarterback. That's super. Well, uh, Awesome. So maybe we can get him up here, Cena, for a podcast. Yeah, Boom. let's get Tom Brady right? up we'll here. We'll just start shaming people. So, Perfect. All right, let's wrap this up because uh, John is uh, way too busy for us. We'll get you on your way, John. Um, so this is our, our favorite, our magic wand question. If you could change one thing about Vermont today, what would you change? Oh, and, and it has to be Vermont. Well, I, I would first of all go nationally. You know, uh, there, there are things in Washington I would change with my magic wand that would... Well, you have the time. Why don't you run for U.S. Impact. Senate in North Carolina? Well, I, well, endorsement right here. Yeah, thank you. I, I'm actually <laughs> uh, contemplating uh, running for governor. Uh, so that, awesome. that may be in the cards in the future, but awesome. that, that's still some time away. Make Vermont and North Carolina closer together. That yeah. could be an option. Yeah, fuse them. <laughs> It'd be great. Um, you know, I think this is, uh, you know, between the incredible uh, place that this is, uh, I think we always have to be conscious of of the environment. And for me, it, it, it de- definitely revolves around climate and what's going on with climate change. So if I had a magic wand, what I'd love to do is bring all the business leaders together with our political leaders and really hammer away that Vermont uh, can lead the nation and the world uh, with responsibility around climate. We had a great coalition and meeting here two weeks ago up at UVM. There was tremendous energy. We need to uh, catalyze that into real difference. Vermont can lead. Vermont should lead. Uh, and I think that would be uh, wonderful uh, for everyone in the state of Vermont. And so it's a call to action for our political and business leaders to come together around climate and lead the way for the nation. Love it. Love it. Awesome. John, thank you very much. This has been Start Here with Sam and Dave, a podcast sharing the stories of active, aspiring, and even the accidental entrepreneur. 
series made possible by the Vermont Technology Council and Fairpoint Communications. Follow us on Twitter at VSET, that's V-C-E-T. Thanks for listening. Now let's get back to work.